0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 168 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me for this emergency episode is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man?
1: No podcast like an emergency podcast this is what we do. Uh,
0: you know, actually, I actually tweeted, and I'm going to do this as a surprise to everybody when I actually posted. I tweeted earlier that this, that this wasn't going to happen, and then uh, you found some time, I found some time. It's post-midnight. It's now Friday on the East Coast, still Thursday where you are, but uh, let's talk about Dallas Keuchel, because Dallas Keuchel is the newest member of the Atlanta Braves. Pretty surprising in some circles, considering, especially considering all of the local reporting up until, you know, maybe 24 hours ago that was kind of you know the doors were closing based on what I what we had been hearing, and then we had the slight opening of the door on Thursday morning with some national reporting, and then uh, the ball went rolling down the hill. And by the end of the night, Dallas Keuchel for what like a twenty million dollar contract that became prorated down to thirteen million. I'm I'm not stunned, not blown away, but it, it is it is kind of a surprise based on where we were even just a few hours ago.
1: Yeah, it kind of played out, honestly, like Craig Kimbrell did yesterday. Um, you know, it, it came out midday today. I think it was Mark Feinsand of, of MLB.com, uh, who's pretty plugged in with the Yankees as well, and, and said originally it was between the Braves and Yankees. And then he came out and said, uh, it looks like the Yankees are the front frontrunners. And, and at least in his opinion, he, he thought they would get the deal done. And then all of a sudden, uh, I don't know, around seven or eight o'clock Eastern tonight is when word really started coming down that the Braves were really making a push. So it all escalated pretty quickly. Dave O'Brien was the one who was the first one to report it. So shout out to him, uh, especially in a time when uh, the front office in Atlanta has been so tight lipped. But. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it necessarily is a big surprise, but it's it's a move that I, everybody will certainly welcome, especially with the way the rotation's been a little Jekyll and Hyde lately. Seems like they're either getting seven shutout innings, or they're struggling to get four or five innings with, with six or seven runs on the board. So uh, a big signing, to be clear. It'll be interesting just how long it takes Keuchel to get ready and, and be up in Atlanta, but... Uh, a big day for the team and, and credit to them for, for dropping $13 million in the middle of a season. Uh, that's not insignificant amount of money and, and something that will hopefully really help uh, stabilize the Braves.
0: Yeah, it's a good bridge to something that I wanted to talk about. Let's just do it now is that I put together a little bit of a mini thread early Thursday morning with my frustrations on some of the reporting and some of the uh, non-spending. And, of course, the Braves come back later that evening and make me look silly by spending money in a big way. And, you know, one of my big contentions on Thursday morning when I said that was the payroll being lower than last year and all of the stuff that we, that we talked about 100 times on this podcast. But when you go out and spend $13 million prorated, you know, for basically – a little bit more than half the season um, on a starting pitcher, that is a nice move, and we have to credit them as such. You know, we, We've been critical of them, and I think a lot of fans have been justifiably critical of the front office and of the ownership group for not spending money, but they're spending money here, so we should give them some credit on that. Um, with that said, it's a one-year deal. It's not a huge long-term commitment, and I'm, I'm still wondering why they're not. Um, I guess all, some of the reporting before they actually got the deal done was that they didn't want to go multiple years. They were worried about you know that kind of stuff. I'm not really sure why that is, for multiple years but you know it's still you know it's better all things considered probably to sign him to a one year contract so it worked out pretty well for the Braves. Um let's talk about keikel the pitcher first before we get into like the sort of ramifications of everything that goes on with the rotation. You know, the last 5 seasons combined, he has a 3.28 ERA and almost a 1000 innings of work. That is pretty darn impressive. Um just in the grand scheme, of course it was a Cy Young winner a few years ago. Um, it's worth pointing out Obviously, he's going to have a very late start to this season, so that's kind of a question mark. He's not the youngest guy in the world. He's 31 years old, and last year he wasn't quite as dominant. He had a 3.74 ERA in 204 innings. He has been fairly durable. Um, Not a strikeout guy by any means, kind of a weird pitcher in today's game and that he's not a strikeout guy really at all but good control guy and has managed to outperform his peripherals most of his career so far as a result of just the way that he's been able to pitch so you know yeah. all the things that we talk about with the money and the ramifications what are you expecting from Keiko once he's actually ready to pitch Is it's going to be a little while before he's ready we assume but once he's in there what are the Braves actually getting here
1: yeah like you said he's not going to blow you away his fastball sits upper 80s um people have kind of called him a lefty Julio uh, Julio Turan, which I think is underselling who Keuchel has been the last five or six years. But but yeah, not someone who's going to blow you away. Last year, strikeout numbers were down a little bit. Uh, The one thing that he's done really well throughout his entire career is is get ground balls. And you think about the Braves infield defense right now. uh, It's as good as it is in the major leagues. Freddie at first, Ozzie. Dansby and, and Donaldson. That's that's a really strong infield all the way around. So you hope that he's able to get his sinker working uh, and just let guys beat balls into the into the grass all all game long. You you mentioned he's he's kind of unconventional in today's game. It seems like everybody throws mid upper nineties and has a wipeout slider. That's that's not really his game. He likes to work batters. He locates well. He he's kind of like a poor man's Tom Glavin, really, when you think about what he does. Um, again, I think it is it's going to be. Uh, if he does make his first start in, in Gwinnett, which is a little bit of a surprise, too, that he's going to start pretty high up in the minor I mean, he's starting as high as he can in the minor leagues. Some people thought he might start out in A-ball or double-A just to kind of get his feet wet for his first start. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see just if there is much rust. And obviously, he's going to need a couple of tune-up starts. You can't just come off the couch and, and attack big leaguers. But uh, a guy who knows what he's doing on the mound, it's it's not his first go-around. A guy who also has a ton of playoff experience with the Astros the last handful of years. Uh, the one thing I, I wanted to point out was, and I tweeted about this a couple days ago when it was reported that Kimbrell and Keuchel were nearing signing after the draft, is, is the familiarity with him. Uh, Mike Fast is is basically the number three in the Braves' front, front office right now. Um, he, he obviously knows Keuchel very well coming over from the Astros. And then Brian McCann, who spent the last three or four years with with Houston before coming here. Uh, is, is very familiar with Keikel as well. Seems like he almost always caught Keikel whenever he started. So those two guys, I would imagine, were, were two of the big driving forces behind getting him here. For sure. It's
0: a good thing that you pointed out there. And, uh, you know, we don't really know unless someone tells us that those guys were, like, the biggest reason. But that certainly seems to be a potential uh, sort of window into why this came together, when and how it did. I mean, Keikel you know last year kind of scares you a little bit and that the ground ball rate was down from where it was when he was you know at his best um down to 54% or so um but still somebody who even when he was quote not as good like a kind of struggling he was still a three-win pitcher last year according to fan graphs. like part of that is just durability and all the innings that he all the innings that he can throw but at the same time he's a you know on paper obviously we, we don't know what he's going to look like cuz he hasn't been pitching but provided he's himself, and there's no reason to think that he can't be himself. He's an upgrade, obviously, for the Braves rotation, and that's kind of the, the big thing we we talk about now before we uh, wrap this thing up. It's going to be kind of a short podcast because of the time of day and all the stuff that we're just going to have basically a one topic podcast, but, um, you know, the rotation's been kind of bad recently. Uh, aside from Mike Soroka and, like, weirdly, Julio tehran has been pretty solid, which is not, I think it's smoke and mirrors, but hey, it's working. Um, Kevin Gosman, you know, much has been made about maybe that prompted the Braves into action because Gosman's been kind of a disaster. The last two starts for Gosman, six innings, 20 hits, 15 runs. Ugh. That's not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you have uh, Fulty's not been himself um, recently. He's not been as bad as Gosman by any means, but there's been some other moments for Fulty. And even Max Fried, who's obviously been good for the whole season, has kind of cooled off. He's given up nine earned runs in, nine, in his last nine innings and has a 5.18 ERA over the last eight starts. So um, I'm not worried about Max Freed necessarily, but... Having Dallas Keuchel does provide you with someone who you would assume is safely in the rotation, and a couple weeks from now when he's ready to go, you know, do we just assume they keep rolling with Gosman for now until Keuchel is ready? What happens when Keuchel is back? If Gosman suddenly stabilizes, like what's kind of what what are kind of the options here for the Braves? Yeah. Um, I guess including a six man rotation because that could be something they could do as well if if, if they want to save some innings for Sorokin and Freed.
1: Yeah, I think in the immediate future, I don't know. It's We were talking about it yesterday. That they have a few options. I think one is seeing if you could stretch out Tukey Toussaint for him to be a starter, too. If you're going to put Gosman on the on the IL with a phantom injury of some kind, I guess you could try to stretch out Tukey and see if he could throw 75, 80 pitches. But again, he's been really strong in the bullpen role. I'm not sure you want to mess with that. Same thing for Sean Newcomb who has just been a revelation in the bullpen. I'm not sure you necessarily want to throw him back in the starting rotation when he's only been throwing an inning or two for the last month, really. Uh, And and he's been so important from the left side, especially with no A.J. Minter. uh, And, and of course, Jesse Biddle being gone, they really needed that left-handed shot. Shutdown guy in, in, in Newcomb has been that. Minor leagues, Kyle Wright hasn't been very good in Gwinnett. Uh, Bryce Wilson has been okay. I'm not sure he's somebody you necessarily want to throw in. Now maybe they do try it out for a week or so and see if they can get Gosman right with some side sessions in, in Phantom ILM. Uh, I don't know. So I think at least for the interim, you probably keep going with Gaussman. Um, I, I don't know how exactly it's going to line up. I would imagine his next start is going to come at home next week against Pittsburgh once again. Uh, which probably isn't the best considering how we fared against them two nights ago. Um, But at this point, you you obviously aren't going to get Keichel tomorrow. He's going to need at least, I would imagine two starts, maybe three, maybe four, depending on how the stuff is. So in the interim, I I think they're going to probably keep things as they are and just hope that Gosman rebounds a little bit.
0: Yeah. That's the weird part here is that just the the simple logistics of having a guy who hasn't pitched, he's going to take a little bit of time. So you can't just slot him in. You know, Gosman. Famously, his peripherals are not as bad as his ERA is, but he's just looked awful in these last two starts. It's not been um, smoke and mirrors, you know. You know, before that, you know, people, including myself, were arguing that Gosman kind of hadn't been as bad as people thought he was. But these last two starts, I I watched both of them. They were both really bad. Um, Yeah, and it's two starts, but you know. He's a guy who basically is a two pitch pitcher, and if they're not going, he's got nothing else to go to. So it's um, shaky for Kevin Gausman. I've been someone who's been, I think, probably pro him in general, but recently it's been kind of uh, kind of rough. And if Julio starts to regress, you're in some big trouble because he's not regressed so far. He's been kind of floating between the raindrops to some extent. Um, so basically, long long story short, Dallas Keuchel is, if he's himself again, if he's himself, is at worst your third best pitcher probably. I mean maybe maybe fourth if you want to say that Fulty figures it out and so does Max Fried. Maybe at worst you say is your he's your fourth 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 best pitcher, but I think pretty safely Keichel is better than Julio and Gosman if he is Dallas Keichel in capital letters.
1: Yeah, and I and I think last year uh there there's nothing that you you look at, you mentioned the strikeouts were down a little bit. His his batting average on balls in play was a little bit higher than it had been, and that was probably the reason for the spike in ERA. But you look at his pitches, all of his pitches were in line. It's not like he saw a big decline in velocity. If anything, his, his fastball was a little bit faster in 2018 than it was in 17, so that's encouraging. Uh, so, yeah, again, you don't want to just pencil in this guy as somebody who you can turn to for, for seven, seven innings or so every night and expect him to be uh, close to the Cy Young winner that he was in 2015 but at the same time the Braves obviously must have felt good watching his side sessions watching his bullpens over the last month or however long they've been scouting him. They must have felt pretty good to guarantee 13 million dollars which is a significant chunk of money. I mean this isn't a flyer on a reliever for for 2 million bucks who was pitching in an independent league somewhere. Uh, This is significant money and in all spring long we heard all we want to save money for the season I think everyone thought it was just kind of lip service from the front office But again to their credit they went out. They they took a chance. I mean, this is not a risk-free move I think it negates obviously the risk down the road because it's just a one-year deal and he'll be a free agent come October and November Uh, But at the same time this is 13 million dollars That could be used elsewhere in trades or or what have you so a, a significant risk Uh, Just because of the money, but I I think it's a move that's worthwhile. I I am a big fan of the signing. For if that wasn't clear, I guess in the first fifteen minutes or so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a scenario where it doesn't work, like you said. Like it's just not a risk-free move just because he's not pitching right now. If he was healthy, uh, and we knew that, you know, obviously he is healthy. But if, if if we knew that if he was pitching somewhere else so far this season, and you were trading for him at this salary, it would be a much easier move to just like. Definitely rubber stamp. I still like it, though. It's, you know, he's a good pitcher. And, you know, it doesn't mean that he has to be awesome when he arrives, because we just don't know that. But everything is track record to say he's had one basically shaky season in the last five He's a good pitcher, and he really helps you. And again, credit to the Braves. We've we've not given them a ton of credit for spending. Um, this is a good. This is a good. This is a good spend for Dallas Keuchel. I think. Um, you know, it yeah. doesn't make them like he's not a dominant number one either. I think those days are probably over when he was a Cy Young winner, as, as we talked about earlier. But at the very least, his presence helps strengthen your rotation. And with the way the bullpen has been this year, adding more pitching help anywhere just helps you. And you know, I think. Yeah. For the longest time, at least I've thought, Kimbrel was probably more likely, but neither guy, neither guy was likely. Uh, we were wrong about that, obviously. Uh, Keichel was the guy that ended up being signed, and I think he helps them. I mean, there's no really way around that. Like it was, It'll be interesting to see how much he helps them, but you know, this is kind of an easy move to approve. That's kind of all I have to say about that. We're, yeah. we're, we're kind of famous for being skeptical in some ways, um, but this is a move that is just kind of like, yep, yeah, they, did, they did a good thing here. There's no really question about it.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was a pleasant surprise to be sure. I, I think once you saw that the Braves were going up against the Yankees and maybe the Twins as as the primary contenders, you thought, oh, there's no way the Braves are going to outbid the Yankees. Yeah, which...
0: outbid the Yankees is pretty jarring just on the surface. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it sounds like based on a couple of reports that the Yankees were pretty set at 11 million for Keuchel, and obviously the Braves did a little bit more than that. So yeah, you, you wouldn't think that a million bucks or two w- would be the tipping point for the New York Yankees, but Uh, I I guess so. So, you know, hats off to the Braves for getting it done. And and as you said, this makes him a better team. Now you hope that that he's sharp in a couple of rehab starts and he's back in the rotation by uh, end of the month or even start of July. Yeah, I mean, look, looking
0: forward a bit here before before we get out of here, um, Dave O'Brien, who, as you noted earlier, actually broke this news, and credit to him for that, um, did note that this is not going to be something that just completely takes the Braves out of more spending. I think he noted that they were still being in the market for a reliever, and they still had the room to do that they wanted to. That's encouraging to hear from someone who's plugged in um, and you know understands the dynamics in play. I think this is definitely going to be the, the big move. It would not blow me away if they made a trade or something like that midseason and added some bullpen help because they're going to need some bullpen help. But um, you know, adding 13 million in payroll midseason is probably going to be the big move. You have to assume, um, but maybe not. And at least, at least the door is not completely closed. You know, does this? I guess big picture, does this change your outlook of the team overall? It obviously helps them, but how much to sort of wrap, it, wrap sort of wrap this thing up a little bit? How much? How much impact does this move have for you in your brain in terms of the bottom line of the season?
1: Well, if you would ask me at the start of the day, I, I think in my heart of hearts, I would pick the Braves to beat the Phillies for the East and, and beat them by a game or two. So that obviously helps adding Keuchel. Um it, it can't hurt in any way, right? I, I do think, no. like you said, um, obviously it, it limits the, the money they have. Uh, to spend but at the same time generally relief pitchers at the trade deadline because you're only paying for two months or so and because they're they're generally not making a big salary even a big salary at a, for a, a well established reliever at 10 million dollars or so you're only going to pay 4 million or so uh, on a prorated basis if you make a trade so and, and many of them are making far less than 10 million so i, I think it leaves the door open um I, I guess it would probably close the door on adding somebody like Madison and Bumgarner or Marcus Stroman though I guess you never say never, uh, I mean, but bar, do... barring
0: injury, I think it'd be a pretty, a pretty surprising yeah. move if they wouldn't do that now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, again, if if every team that's in contention at the trade deadline is always looking for bullpen help, even teams with good bullpens usually add a, a reliever or two, just because things are going to happen. So, just ask uh, the Yankees last world year, world. who
0: and, kept adding more and more and more and more and more guys. The yeah, Yankees have I mean, like it, five closers on the roster. It's pretty funny. Yeah,
1: you should. And, and that's you know, in today's game, it's it's how you how you get to the World Series. Frankly, it's it's why all the recent World Series winners have had really good bullpens. So. Uh, Yeah, I think it leaves the door open for for some relievers, maybe some bench help. You hope everybody stays healthy and they aren't suddenly scrambling for for a position player. But uh, but yeah, a good day all around and and certainly helps their chances in the East, uh, especially since they've been neck and neck with the Phillies pretty much all year.
0: Yeah, most of the projection systems are probably going to have them you know, not changing too much here. I, I, I actually do some work for Sportsline, which is the CBS gambling projection kind of system. And I'm on the email chains, and I got the email that basically said that the projection isn't going to change that much with Keichel uh, on, the, on the Braves, which is, which doesn't really surprise me. He's not the kind of guy, he's not like, you're not adding Justin Verlander. He's going to be someone who I think is an upgrade, but it might be like, over the course of a full season, he might have changed a projection like one win. Like it's not it's not a crazy ad here, considering he's coming in in mid June and probably won't start until almost July. That's about a half season of of impact, and if he is a yeah. three win, if he's a three win pitcher overall, that's about a win and a half, and that still matters, especially yeah. in the playoffs if you get there. But um,
1: and those know, guys don't grow on trees either. You know, oh, for sure. I mean, easy.
0: he's yeah. honestly he might be better than Masahiro Bumgarner. Like that's the thing. Like and and you're doing it without. I, I know you're paying him, but it's not your money, so giving up. Prospect capital to trade for Massive Bumgarner versus just spending Liberty Liberty Media's money for a half season on Dallas Keuchel. Um, one of those things does not impact you in the future, and the other one does. So, yep, you know, exactly. if, if the impact on the field is pretty much similar between those two guys, this is a better outcome almost certainly.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And like you said, you hang on to your prospects. You have all your your assets available to make a trade for for a closer, or a setup guy, who whatever you may need come six weeks or so from now, you have everybody available.
0: Absolutely. All right, Scott, I kept you too long already, um, but thank you for joining me on this emergency podcast. You got anything else going on in Braves land? you, you, you even writing anything going on? I know we're all, we're all, come, we're all kind of scrambling. I know Eric's yeah. on vacation or something. I'm going out of town for a uh, less than desirable thing tomorrow, but uh, we're all, we're all, all over the place. So you got anything going on right now?
1: I'll be back on the pod with you on, on Sunday night. That's the plan. Um, hopefully, hopefully celebrating a, a St. Louis Blues Stanley cup, which would be pretty cool. Um, and then hopefully the Braves, obviously, the next couple of days take care of business against the Marlins because uh, they need to do that.
0: Yes, they do, and we'll talk much more about. I have notes for our regular podcast stuff that we're not going to get into tonight because this is just a one pod, a one topic podcast. But uh, plenty to talk about over the last like two weeks, including the fact that the last time we recorded, um, we were recording in the middle of a game that the Braves came back from like a 99.5 percent chance of losing uh, last Sunday when it was it was Eric and I. It was pretty funny, and we we're just going to kind of ignore that now. But that was that was an insane comeback that the Braves were down three runs in the ninth. It was like the first time they uh, anybody all season had come back from a three run deficit in the ninth inning. It's just all this crazy stuff that we've just missed and uh we'll kind of rectify that in a couple days when you and i reconvene but thank you for joining me um unexpectedly on this fine evening and hopefully people will, will uh appreciate this uh bit of goodwill and a 25-minute
1: podcast something like that yeah man always happy to be on thank you for uh for having me and and uh, go braves
0: <laughs> go braves indeed as for everybody else please subscribe to the pod we'll be back in a couple of days tell your friends share the podcast and we'll see you guys then